Hi guys, welcome to the Dins podcast. And today we have Liv and Tony from Material Creative. For those you don't know, Material Creative is a group of eight talented women. Why do you guys only have female um, designers in your studio? It's not something that was intentional um, at all. It just sort of ended up that way. Um, yeah. But we love it. It works really well for us. And um, we have had guys in the past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they've been great. But we are always happy to welcome female professionals with open arms. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give that message to all my uni friends. <laughs> the KFC on 4th Street is a game changer for uni kids. How did it happen? I love it. Um, so we, we've been working with um, restaurant brands for near on five years. And they are the company who um, have the rights to uh, KFC in New Zealand. So um, we started working with them on Carl's Jr. first um, about five years ago. And then that led to us at Material Creative and a company called Saturday Creative, who are brand strategists uh, working yep. together on the um new look KFC so um, we wanted to come up with a new narrative and experiment um, I guess to appeal to the old fans but draw in new customers who um, who kind of lapsed over time I guess yeah we started working with them on a um, concept together I guess as a collaboration and wanted to bring people into a hospitality space um, that engaged people in an authentic way because at the you know, before that, it was all plastic and, yeah, you know, the very, spaces it, were quite, I yeah. guess, cavernous and um, didn't have much soul, so. No, it didn't. Yeah, so it was our kind of, I guess it was our goal to take the to take the KFC DNA, you know, as it, as it stood, but recreate it in a really authentic, natural way that, you know, invited you in. And um, I guess, you know, so people like us, potentially wanted to go and sit in there as well where usually that wouldn't have been the case yeah um because with working you know working with some um, big corporations like that they will have their own set of standards you know their own needs um how much you know creative freedom do you guys actually have when you know creating you know designing for it usually they do have a really strict set set of um guidelines and in the past we've worked with you know quite a few different companies we've worked with um holden and and we're and done something with them um and and various other companies that you have to stick to quite um strict guidelines but for the new look kfc metro the team was willing to kind of push the boundaries and i guess not ignore the guidelines but push them to the limit so we had quite a lot of freedom to focus on the new look is actually, I think, um, from what I what I've heard, the um, international has picked up some of those um, design moves that we've made and, and and started rolling them out as well. So I think oh, it, wow. it, it worked, yeah. Because I used to um I used to work at Calstrinium, and then all the restaurants <laughs> they all look the same. They all look mm-hmm. the same as the, from the minute you walk into the door, everything is placed exactly the same across all restaurants. And with KFC, uh, with the KFC on Fourth Street, did they give you um kind of a set of requirements saying you have to have this here and you have to have that there? No, we had complete free reign on how it worked. All that the only thing we, the only thing we needed to take into consideration, which we we thrashed out with the architects, was that we needed you know for a QSR you still need enough space to enter, enough space to order, enough space to wait, yeah, and then to sit 
and then you these requirements you know for bins and you know all that kind of like you know utility stuff but apart from you know those few kind of guidelines we we had free reign pretty much to push the boundaries and create multiple seating layers and um yeah I guess just transform it into more of a restaurant space rather than a dining hall I guess yeah. Because the um the, the sliding door that they come out, out of with your meal, oh that's fantastic. <laughs> the first time I saw it just carrying a tray out here, the door slides open. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Regional brands were very brave, I think, with their new vision for KFC. And you don't really see many fast food restaurants being reinvented or yeah. asked to um be more design led. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, you know, they also had a lot of trust um, in the team that was bringing the new restaurant, and it really paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're really happy with it. And, yeah, as Tony said, it's been picked up overseas as well. So um, it's testament to the design, I think. How big was the design team? Because, um, you know, as a, as a uni kid, you know, we never understood the true value of, you know, corporate, uh, working with other people from other industries. Mm-hmm. And with you guys, like how much different industries have you have to, you know, connect and work with to come up with, a, um, you know, the KFC? Mm. Well, for that, for that particular um, brand, uh, there was Material Creative. So there was our team. And at the time, I think five years ago, it was probably, you know, um, three of us. Um, and then we worked with Saturday Creative, um, yeah. who had a few people um, on the actual project. And then there was the architects, um, the marketing team at at Restaurant Brands, the property development team. And then there was a whole list of consultants that you would usually use, fire engineer, HVAC, kitchen, you know, the list goes on. So quite extensive. And, you know, I I guess um, I remember the first the first meeting I had for it, I didn't really understand the, the the bigness of it and walking into restaurant brands and there was a table of, you know, 12 people sitting around the table for us, you, you know, showing up was quite daunting, but they're such a lovely bunch of people. How long did the project take? How long did the project take? I don't know. We've been working with them for so long. It kind of was um, from... I, I guess it was a couple of years. I understand you guys went to Amsterdam for in 2018 for the Inside World Festival. Yeah, we did. How was it? Amsterdam is amazing. Yeah, it got to be pretty amazing. <laughs> Tony and I hadn't been um, before, and the festival was in December, or end of mm-hmm. November, beginning of December. So it was winter, coming into Christmas. You know, Amsterdam really knows how to put it on. They're just all the lights oh. and... <laughs> All the canals, it was so beautiful. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Can you just explain to us, like, what Inside World Festival actually is? So it's an international um, interiors competition that's also associated with an international architecture competition. So they run side by side. You just enter all around the world, and then there's a panel of judges that choose a shortlist. And then if you are shortlisted, then you have to go and present in person to a panel of three judges, and then there's a big award ceremony over there. With a thing like that, like, um, does the presentation stage stays the same, like for Unikids and for you guys? You mean in terms of like presenting? Yeah, in terms of presenting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it is really similar to uni. It, it does yeah. kind of feel like you're at uni when you are presenting a project like that because you're being critiqued as well. 
So there was a lot of work that went into that particular presentation for us. We went over with a fellow architect who was working on the project with us as well, David, and his wife came. And so the three of us presented together, Tony, David and I. And so we needed to coordinate ourselves and it needed to be a particular length. I think we had, how long do we have to present, Tony? I can't remember now. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Oh, wow, really? So, Ten minutes? Yeah, I mean, a project like Nomi, that's what we went over for. It was a huge project, and to try and narrow it down succinctly into 10 minutes from start to finish was quite a feat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Nomi is a big, big hotel. Like, How do you guys manage you know, with the people you have in your studio to design every single aspect of it? It's just all hands on deck. <laughs> like, what's the process of, you know, the hotel coming to you guys? Hey, um, we want you to design a hotel for us. Like, what happens next within your studio, I guess? Well, I guess typically a client will come to us and Tony and I will sort of just really nurture that relationship with the client and understand the project as best as we can. And then we'll take that away and just put our heads together and come up with a concept that we feel is quite fitting. And then we sort of show that to the team and then everyone just gets involved. And the the design is really important, but overall it's kind of 10% design, 90% implementation. And so it really does take the whole team to get involved. And also with a project like that, things are shifting and changing and developing the whole process of the project. I guess for Tone and I, our main role is just to try and to keep it on track because when we design, we really love to come up with a strong story or theme just as sort of the heart of the project. And so it's really important for us to keep referring to that so that the result at the end is as authentic um, as it possibly can be and can speak back to that original concept. And we find that, you know, our work is much more coherent when we can really streamline that. Mm. So what's the story behind Nomi? If you, you know, simplify it all like really. <laughs> Do you want to tell that tone? <laughs> yeah, so our client for Nomi wanted we actually had to pitch for it. So we were up against two others and the idea that he wanted was to tie in Kiwiana, but in a non-Kiwiana way. So we spent quite a while racking our brains and, and, and actually came up with an idea to base it on the Tui bird um, and its humour, its um, I guess its bird song and the look of it and its feathers. It's got this kind of black coat that kind of has iridescent colours that shine in the sun. So mm-hmm. we took that and then that has overlaid into kind of every move we made within the within the hotel with the colour palettes, the textures, the patterns. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of throughout. You'll notice that as you walk into the hotel, the first thing you see is this gold feathered wall. So it's like that, I guess, the sun shining on the Tui bird's back and it's reflecting back on you and it just invites you in. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. What's the difference in process between your morning set tavern and the Nomi Hotel? Because one's really focused on one single, you know, material, and then the other's really everywhere with materials and colors. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the approach is the same, and we're always trying to push the boundaries and just to push it a little bit further. So. With Nomi, it's very colourful and it's very rich in its texture and its layering. And there's actually a real challenge in getting the balance right with that. So too with Morningside, that was a fantastic project 
that we've yeah, loved. Yeah, gold. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the clients were awesome and they had some really strong ideas already about what they wanted to do. Um, and they had already been thinking about brick, but they had sort of been thinking about it more just on a singular wall or as a single feature. Whereas, you know, the brief for that was to make it feel like a neighborhood bar that had been there forever, you know, yeah. so that when you walked out, it's kind of like that whole cheers thing. Everyone knows your name and mm-hmm. it's just comfortable, inviting, and everyone in the whole neighborhood can feel like they're welcome. And the shell that we were given was just sort of like a big voluminous, how do I say that word? Quite cavernous concrete um, warehouse. So we felt that actually enclosing it in the brick would make it feel like that was how it was originally built and had been there forever. Mm-hmm. So this notion of using, you know, a brick and in different ways and forms, we, we became quite obsessed about. And we actually had a lot more brick in there that didn't quite make it in due to the time frame. But yeah, we were really happy with the end result. Did you guys have to contact like a specialist for bricks or? Yeah. Oh yeah. There was a lot of research that went into which brick to choose because obviously it was the key material. We had to be quite specific, you know, in the size and the color and the finish. And then it wasn't just us making that decision. It was the clients and everyone involved. And so we did quite a lot of research and the availability of the bricks because obviously we needed a lot and in the right tone, just so that the brick, you, when you walked in, it just had that really great warm feel to it. And we chose a brick that was slightly bigger than normal as well, just given the scale of the of the building with a really high ceiling stud, we felt like we could do something that was a bit more oversized mm-hmm. and we would get away with it. So yeah, the, the brick probably took two or three months of, of research and getting different samples and things until we decided on which one we wanted to use. Oh, wow. I can't even get through five days of research. I just want to straight jump into design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you two met at uni, right? Yeah, we did. And then launched the studio in 2009? Yeah. How do you start a studio? Like, that's the question <laughs> I want to know. How do you start a studio? Well, it, it wasn't really a studio back in 2009. Liv and I were living together, actually, um, after traveling, traveling Europe. We were living together and we just started it at our dining table, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, literally you just get onto the company's office and you just register the name of your company and boom, you have one. <laughs> are there any interesting stories on your, you know, to get to where you are right now oh. along oh the way? So many. I mean, we actually started designing the Piha Cafe when we were both at uni. So it was our very first project. And you're probably too young to remember, but it was quite a controversial cafe out in Piha. And it ended up, the local, some of the locals didn't want it to go out there. So it ended up in court for quite a long time. So Tony and I started working on it, went overseas, handed over to another friend who ended up finishing it and then by the time we got back from traveling it was ready to have the interior fit out done so we actually came back in 2008 at the start of the recession and we had really wanted to start a company but it didn't seem like a great time to start it you know it was a scary time we had really been in this bubble while we were traveling we were up in a ski field ski resort in France and you don't really know what's happening in the real world. So 
to come home and find yourself in a recession was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So Tony had the option to go back to her work, which was great because obviously to make money at that time was really important. I didn't have that luxury. And so we just sort of pushed ahead with Piha Cafe. And then really to go out on our own, we needed to get another um, contract, you know, yep. and it was quite, mm, we were just really unsure of where that was going to come from and, and how that was going to happen. But thankfully the Piha Cafe was was really successful. And off the back of that, we managed to get a contract with Marbex. And so back back then, they were the CD and DVD store. Yeah. And um, they oh actually, yeah, no, so we're going back <laughs> quite a while now. And they sort of wanted to reinvent their business and introduce books and cafes you know, with music and, and CDs. So they actually bought the rights to Marbex, which has since gone back to its original owners. But they they transformed CD and DVD stores into Marbex. And so once we got that contract, then Tony left her um, job and we were both then full-time and opened our first Marbex store in Dunedin, 2010, I think it was. So yeah, that's how we, we got started. So when did you guys realize, oh, we're pretty good at this? I think we always knew. No. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you ever know. <laughs> like, when was the project? A project that, that when you finish and you just thought, that's it. Yeah. This is it. I think we just, Liv and I are just innately want to be creative. And so it wasn't really about success for us at that time or, or that we knew that we could do it as such we just had such drive and passion for being creative that that's kind of what that's what kept us going project to project and I think that that um I guess at the time you know we were quite naive and we had a lot of tenacity to just kind of go out and do it and believe in ourselves and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah and we didn't really have anything to lose you know we'd sort of we'd, we we had just come back from traveling. We're in a recession. We weren't, there wasn't yeah. an expectation to make money. So we just threw ourselves into it. And mm-hmm. we used to buy secondhand furniture and restore it in our garage, like all the furniture at Piha Cafe. Yeah. Um, even the counter, we made the counter out of old beer crates. And, oh. you know, we scrambled in scrap yards for old light industrial light fittings, which now are quite easy to find. But 10 years ago, were really hard and so we had some good initiative and good perseverance and there is a project though that was a bit of a turning point for us and that was Little Nuffield and I don't know if you remember it's a tiny little cafe it's still there and we hand wove the sign Little Nuffield with wool (laughs) and it took like 70 hours And we were, oh, it was crazy. But I think we were shortlisted that year off the back of that project and possibly Marbex in the Interior Awards for um, emerging. It was, oh, yeah. We won the silver at the Best Awards for the Little Nuffield project, and that kind of propelled us. Right. At the Best Awards. Because looking on your website, you know, every year you get to have awards after awards and the list just gets bigger and bigger as the year goes on. <laughs> um, what's next for you guys? Oh, wow. Um, Especially you know, after the whole COVID-19 thing. It's a big question. 
COVID-19 has actually created a great opportunity for us in that we started obviously designing hotels a few years ago. And then off the back of that, last year we were involved in a multi-res project, which we really, really loved. We were so entrenched in hospitality and all of all of the, the hospital work that we also really, really loved that we'd been talking about doing a bit more multi-res and residential for a long time, but didn't sort of have a, a, a gap or any space to do it. And so with COVID-19 and everything that sort of happened in the hospitality industry, you know, it's really, it's really devastating. And we're feeling so much for all our amazing clients. And, you know, hopefully coming into level two, we're going to see a real lift for them, which should be fantastic. You know, in terms of design, we can probably see a bit of a lull in that area for some time. I don't think that there's going to be much demand for new restaurants or possibly new hotels, you know. And that well, I mean, even when they do, do you think the whole um, focus on social distancing and that would affect the way you guys design? I mean, I think that you would just be much more conscious about it, of course. You know, we take a lot of time to plan restaurants really carefully already. There's a lot of coding compliance you have to stick to. So this will just add to that. So, yep. yeah, there will be more consciousness around um, social distancing and how we could do things a little bit differently. And I think a lot of businesses will be adjusting and pivoting to accommodate that already. Are you guys hiring right now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just trying to hold on to everything we've got. Yeah. yeah. If we're completely honest, you know, it's an interesting time for us in the design community. But it's not to say that the world doesn't need design more than ever. Yeah, no, of course. You know? So we're just going to take it as it comes and be mm-hmm. available for our current clients, you know, as much as we can be. What I was sort of saying before is that we will be looking more into sort of multi-res and residential. This is a little opportunity for us to, to step into that, which is really exciting for us because we love it and we've been looking for that small opportunity. So we'll just see how that goes as well. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any advice for, you know, fresh graduates that are looking for a job because i remember going to your studio for the folio night oh yeah yeah and i had my big giant concrete model <laughs> that's right <I'm>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it was so heavy what do you recommend for you know portfolio wise for um for them to prepare and uh, what it should look like and how they should carry themselves you know in front of whoever that's going to hire them mm-hmm. you know that's a really good question and i think for us in our studio, we're just looking for authentic authenticity. So mm-hmm. just be yourself as much as you can. You know, be prepared. Be prepared and put time and effort into your portfolio and don't give up. You know, the the door may close and people may not answer their phone, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna be like that forever. Mm. And I think that perseverance and initiative will really take you quite far. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for um, joining on the podcast today. And that's all the questions I have, actually. <laughs> Unless you guys have any other stories or anything you want to say or, or to share. Well, maybe we could share one each, Tone. I, I think, you know, when I was a student, I wasn't that disciplined. And I had lots of great ideas, but not a lot of discipline. And I'd say, you know, some of my projects were cool and good at uni and some of them were not that great. And at the end of it, I didn't come out with, you know, 
the best record and the best marks that I had hoped for. But I would say just don't let uni define you. And if you didn't do as well at uni as you thought, it doesn't mean that you're not going to do great in the real world. And if you have a goal and a dream and a vision, just persevere and keep, you know, working towards it. Because I think that there's a lot that is said for work ethic. So that's just a little bit of an encouragement, you know. We're doing pretty well in the real world with Mature Creative. But yeah, at uni, it was sort of a different picture for me. So just a little bit of encouragement for you guys. Thank you. I think yeah. that's what everyone needs. <laughs> I think as well on the back of that, you know, when we actually did start Material Creative, Liv and I had that drive and passion, but we also had, you know, we really put in the hard yards at the beginning and we really went above and beyond for our clients to, to make projects really shine for them and we still do but back in the day we we did, you know, to get something on budget we would actually go and help build it or Mm. you know we would be on site and I think that um that drive and I guess like just being able to work hard and over and above at the beginning will get you further later you know at the the time it was you know we we didn't sleep much I remember Liv and I having you know all-nighters all the time to to because it was just the two of us to get our projects finished (laughs) or you know ready for a presentation and it, it does all pay off in the end I think you know, at the time, yeah. So yeah. keep going. <laughs> well, thank you so much both for coming on and oh, hope um, all the best to your studio and everything. Well, actually, before we go, um, can you please summarize your studio culture in one sentence? Oh, the culture? Yeah. Do you want to say that too? <laughs> I feel like I'm answering. I think, that, um, I think that what we have tried to create is um, an extension of who we are and an extension, you know, we are we are kind of, we treat it like a family. So we've set up our studio like a, you know, kind of more like a house because you're there, you know, 80% of the time. And yeah, it is, it is like family. Mm. you agree, Liv? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're really big on being about people and relationship and that extends through into also our clients, you know, and the contractors and subbies that we work with. So, you know, the culture within the office, we hope, you know, is flexible and um, warm and authentic and kind and friendly, but also inspirational. And we push each other to be unexpected. You know, that really is what we're all about, um, producing design that is unexpected so that um, we're just always trying to create new and innovative things. Well, um, thank you, Liv and Tony, for coming on. And thank you for listening to the Design Institute of New Zealand podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And tag us on the Design Institute of NZ. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us.